reintroduce it or make you realize, hey, you know you like that. Go get that. Sin is real. And just because the consequences of sin are not always seen initially, it does not mean there are no consequences to sin. We're talking about the masquerade of sin. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, the masquerade of sin. Sin cost and sin cost huge. I don't know if you ever heard this. Listen to this. I've said this before, but you may have not caught it at, at that time. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. We start out because the devil worked on our desires and he gave us or put before us something we really like. And we say to ourselves, well, it can't be that bad. And what's the worst thing that could really happen? But sin take you further. So in your mind, trying to figure out the consequence, well, it can't be that bad. So eh, I won't be all messed up in this that long. I'm just going to do it and get right out. Young people, you're just going to do a little something and come right out. But I'm here to tell you, sin takes you further than you want to go. So where you kind of got in your mind, I'll go this far, but I'm not going that far. So my messing up of doing something wrong, I'm only going but so far. Trust me, you have no control over that. Because once you step in the enemy's territory, he takes you as far as he want to take you. And you might be saying, no, no, no. But you're still coming because he's dragging you further than you want to go. I didn't think I would. I didn't know. I know you didn't know. That's why you have to leave it alone. And then you thought, I was only messing with that girl or that guy just for a minute. And all of a sudden, you know, it's it's a month now. You come to church and the pastor preaching, and you like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm I'm not even messing with that no more. Then you go back, and so now it's three months, and you like, I thought I was done last month. It holds you longer than you want to stay, and so you in your heart don't want to stay, but you didn't know it was going to hold you this long. And then you figure, I was just going to repent and deal with the consequence. And it turns out, you can't even afford it. This was something Adam and Eve soon came to realize. There are consequences to sin, even though the consequences may not be readily recognized. I don't care who we are. I don't care who we are, the most spiritual, most powerful human being. There are consequences to whatever sin we commit. And the big thing is, you don't know what the consequence is. We can size it up and we can figure it out. But only God decides what the consequence is going to be. And you ain't God, and God never revealed to anybody what the consequence is going to be. The consequence is going to be. And even when he tell you, you shall surely die, you don't even understand what that means. He told them, you shall, but they had no idea what that meant. You shall surely die. Hmm. There are consequences to sin, even though the consequences may not be readily recognized. In the beginning... 
Everything was perfect for Adam and Eve. There was nothing wrong with their marriage. There was nothing wrong with their health. There was nothing wrong with their emotions or mental state. There was nothing wrong whatsoever with anything. Adam had the perfect job. There was nothing wrong at work. His boss had given him full reign. He could do nothing. He wanted to, he'd do everything he wanted, anytime he wanted, and however he wanted. Except one exception. And there was, and there were consequences to this one exception. These consequences were not readily seen or recognized but this did not make those consequences any less. So here is how, this is what I want for you to see at this juncture of our Bible study tonight. Consequences to what we do, we normally can't see. We really can't quantify. We really don't have the answer. We might have an idea or might think we figured out the consequence, but we really don't know consequence. We don't know consequence. So when we decide that we're just going to overstep God or rebel against God or sin against God, the bottom line is we now are saying, I can deal with the consequence because every sin has a consequence. So when you decide to just disobey God and do what you want, there's a consequence in what you're saying is, I got this, I got this. Satan deceived Adam and Eve. He suggested what the boss, what God had said wasn't entirely true. Can I tell you all this? You've been hearing me saying this for a little bit now. Learn the ways of God and not get so caught up in you got to know every scripture. Because you can try to know every scripture and you won't really understand them. Take what you know, study what you know, hold on to what you know, but learn how God do things. Learn the ways of God. The Bible say God is love, Sister Heidi. So anything come your way and love is not in it, God is not in it. That's how you study the ways of God. And so here is Adam and Eve having to deal with the devil. And the devil told them something that's not entirely true. So what I'm trying to tell you is Satan will come and lie to you. And maybe you didn't understand that scripture. And the only way to really deal with it is if you understand the ways of God. Then you'll say that wasn't God. That couldn't have been God. That's why it's important to study the ways of God. And so Satan, once he realized he was shaky, in the instruction she received from God, he says, I can work right there. The Bible says, give no place to Satan. And when you, what you do when you give Satan places, you're saying, I'll give you an opportunity to do something, whatever you want to do. And one of the things we do when we disobey God, we're giving Satan an opportunity. Again, we do it the question is, we do it because we are just ignoring consequences because we don't see them. We don't realize how real consequences are. So we're saying, well, it's, that's not that bad. Hmm. What can we learn 
from this real life story with Adam and Eve? What lesson can be learned concerning the deceptiveness of the serpent, the deceptiveness of sin, and the deceptiveness of self? So listen to this. The serpent is deceptive, sin is deceptive, and you are deceptive to yourself. You tell yourself all kind of stuff. The more I live for God, the more I want to keep my mouth shut. Because everybody's got some explanation. Everybody can tell you something. And in my mind, to me, the ways of God is not negotiable. The ways of God is one way. He says, I'm God and I change not. So there's no way to negotiate anything. So when we start to talk in negotiating terms, I just listen and smile. I have nothing to say. Because I know the ways of God. I know God don't change. I know God don't accommodate wrong. I know God don't put up with wrong. He loves you, but he will not stand for wrong. Scripture reveals Lucifer was an archangel who was cast out of heaven. At one time, he was the covering or guardian angel. Look at Ezekiel 28:14. He was created to dwell in the throne room in heaven in the very presence of God. Adorned with gold and precious stones, Lucifer's beauty and splendor were unrivaled by any of the other angels. But this did not last. Rather, his place of prominence came to an end. Why? Why did it come to an end? The answer is simple, because there was always consequences to sin. Consequence to sin didn't start in the garden. Consequence to sin started in heaven. (laughs) So you see, God is no respecter of person and he never changes. So while Lucifer was in heaven, Lucifer sinned against God and there was a consequence. And when God created us, he made us know when you sin, there's a consequence. That doesn't change with God. So every time I do something wrong, I just got to say in my mind, Lord, I got to pay. And, and I wouldn't even get comfortable with that because you're going to see, Adam and Eve probably says, I know we're going to pay, but they had no idea what that payment was going to be. Isaiah reveals the fall, or, or, I'm sorry, Isaiah reveals the fall of Lucifer from heaven, which resulted in his status as the creature he is today. How, this is scripture here, I'm going to read for you. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation of the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high, yet shall be cut down, brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. That's Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. What was Lucifer's great sin and what can we learn from it with regards to our maintaining a proper relationship with God? Lucifer had wisdom. 
Lucifer had beauty. Lucifer had ability. He was cut above the others and yet he wanted more. Can I tell you what Lucifer's big issue is? Lucifer wanted God's position. That makes sense to y'all, but let's bring it to our level. When you try to be like somebody else, you are being like Lucifer. It's time we embrace who we are. It's time we say, this is who I am and let me just be the best who I am. I don't want to be somebody else. I don't want to be brother so-and-so. I don't want to be pastor so-and-so. I want to be the best Wayne Anthony Wyatt that God called me to be. And that's it. That's it. That's all I want to be. That's all I want to be. I don't want to be like nobody else. Lucifer scared me so much, I don't even want to be like God. I want to be what God want me to be. Oh, y'all missed that. I'm just telling you how much he scared me. I says, Lord, I'm not even going to pray that prayer. I want to be like Jesus anymore. Nope, 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 nope. God, I want to be what you want me to be. Because Jesus is Jesus. I told you all about Billy Cole when he was dying. Billy Cole saw more people praying through to the Holy Ghost. He was the man of all men. He prayed more people through to the Holy Ghost than anybody walking this earth today. And when Billy Cole got sick and was about to die, he, he started reminiscing about some things. And usually when you get sick, you start thinking about the wrong and the good and everything. And Billy Cole said to God in his own little prayer time, God, I was just trying to be like the apostles. All I wanted to be like the apostles. That's all I want to be, God. And I felt like I was doing your will, being like the apostles. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke back to Billy and said, Billy, I just wanted you to be like what I want you to be. The apostles are the apostles. You need to be what God called you to be. Hence, he sought to exalt himself. He wanted, he, because he wanted God's position, he was trying everything to take God's position. He started living and walking in the ways that will make him important, just like God. Can I tell you this? You have no idea, none of us have any idea what it takes to be somebody else. And the anointing, let me tell you, let me tell you, this is what I've discovered in ministry. The greater the anointing in a person's life, the more trouble they've been through. If you haven't been through nothing and you want to be like so-and-so, guess what? You can't handle so-and-so responsibility because you haven't been through nothing to prove yourself. You haven't gone through anything to get some strength. Stay in your place. Let God do what he's going to do because you want to be the best what God called you to be, not what somebody else is. Lucifer fully understood the devastating consequences of sin, but he did not share his insight with Eve. You see how he is? He was talking to Eve. Did God say this? Did God say that? And he was getting Eve to do wrong and never once said to Eve, if you do it, guess what's going to happen? Genesis, when the devil tried to get you to do something wrong, he's not going to tell you what's going to happen to you. That's going to be terrible. He won't tell you that. He's going to make you think it ain't going to be that bad. 
For as bad as you feel right now, you might as well go ahead and do it because the consequence is not that bad. And the way you feel right now, go get yours. Do what you want, how you feel. Because you know what? Don't nobody care. Nobody will want to listen to you. So just do you. There's consequences to sin. Satan have a deceptive nature. His purpose, his intent, his aim, his desire is the thought, the plan of God. He comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. In contrast, Jesus said his purpose was that we might have life and have it to its fullest. But that is not the serpent's purpose. That's not his aim. His aim is to destroy everything good and perfect in our lives. Satan's job is to mess up your life. Can you get that, everybody? Satan's job is to mess up your life. And sometimes you think you have control of your life and you're handling it. And I'm here to tell you, you're not handling it. It's him that's handling it. He is deceptive and cunning and crafty. He knows how to weasel his way into your life and to make a havoc of your life. He knows how to do it. He's been here over 6,000 years and he's been in heaven. You don't know nothing about heaven and you ain't been living over 6,000 years. You can't defeat him. You can't outsmart him. uh, You need God in order to overcome Satan. We will do ourselves some real good if we begin to recognize the deceptive nature of Satan. In what way is Satan deceptive? Hmm. Check this out. Adam and Eve fell in sin And they did not know that when they did wrong, every person that entered the world since that was going to have to enter the world in sin. They had no idea that they was going to set the standard and trend for sin in our world. Can you imagine? Would you ever think? You think Eve thought, well, if I mess up and listen to this devil, guess what? I'm going to bring sin into the entire human race. Because we don't understand the consequence. So we didn't, she didn't know that her sin was going to introduce sin to the entire human race. You ready for some more? You know what else she didn't know? She didn't know her sin was going to cause her oldest son to kill her next son. She didn't know that. You telling me from that little bit of biting that fruit and giving it to my husband, now all of a sudden, everybody in the world that's born, they were born into sin. You're telling me now my oldest son is going to kill his brother all because I took that bite? Yes, because you don't know the consequences of sin and that's why we can't sin. They caused the whole human race to enter into sin. And the son murdering the son. There's no way I think she sat there and had a conversation with Lucifer knowing that's what was going to happen when she listened to Lucifer. No, she could not have known that. She just had the conversation. Did her thing. And now everybody 
is a sinner and need the grace of God and need to be saved. All because she just disobeyed God. The devastating consequences of sin. Considering the devastation and the devastating consequences of sin in the lives of Adam and Eve. Everybody should want to avoid sin at all costs. We should want to avoid sin at all costs. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we know God died for the sins that we've sinned. Let me stop here and pause and tell you this. For years, I think Christians are living, living their Christian life thinking, Oh my God, I sinned, I sinned, I messed up, I messed up. I look at sin differently right now. God loves you no matter what. God loves you no matter what. Parents, you love your children no matter what. They can be murderers, criminals, whatever they are. You love them. They came out of your womb. You love them. God love you no matter what. So, when we sin, we don't do nothing to God. We do it to ourselves. We don't realize sin only has to do with us. It has nothing to do with God. So every time you sin, for a while there, I don't know how this was in my mind. I don't know why my mind was thinking like this. But for, for a while there, I thought that when I sinned, what was happening was I was doing something to God. I'm making God upset. I'm hurting God. I'm doing this to God. And, and while it may be a little bit of truth in that, that God is hurt by the things I do wrong. Oh man, that does not compare to when I sin, I'm destroying me. I was talking to Brother Tom the other day, and I said, I'm going to have to learn how to teach in a way where I can teach where you can get the image of what I'm saying. I want to be able to teach where almost, I'm, the way I build it and, and put it together, it's almost like you can see what I'm saying. Because images is so important. And what sin does is, once we let sin is, sin in, it puts an imprint on our heart. It puts this, this image, it puts this thing in our mind that don't leave us. And now the devil keep bringing it back to your mind and this imprint of your wrong. And that's how he weakens you. And that's how he pushes you down. And that's how he tries to destroy you. He just wants you to get that image. He just wants you to get that thing in your mind where you can never get it out. And so as long as it's in there, he just keep reminding you. Every once in a while, he took it, take a poke at it that's how he destroys us and so you come to church and you worship God you hear good preaching and God loves you but the image is still there that's what he does so sin consequence has nothing to do with God Stop worrying about, oh my God, I'm sinning against God. Yeah, you are. But you're destroying your life. You're destroying your soul. When you sin, you're just eating, your, your soul is being eaten away at. And at some point in time, you're going to be able to, ah, whatever, I don't care. The image is haunting you so much that at some point in time, you just don't care no more. That's what he does. And we, when we started this out, we didn't know there was a consequence that was going to be heavy duty. We never thought about it. We just figure, you know what, God understands and he forgives. 
you know what? You're right. You are right. God understands and he will forgive you. The question is, will you have enough gusto? Will you have enough stuff in you to say, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to make it because I'm going to heaven. I don't care how much I messed up. I don't care how much wrong I did. I am going to heaven. Now, we know that. But the consequence of sin can stop that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You know that up here. But when sin gets such a hold of you, you know that in your mind. But can you actually get it done that you get to heaven? Can you actually get that? Because, because the consequence is so, it's so great. You do something wrong and it's just in your mind, in your mind, in your mind. Let me go down a little bit of road and not go too far. This is why sexual sin is the worst sin that we can commit. There is no, there is no, there is no levels in sin with God. Lie, stealing, cheating, it's all the same. It's all the same. Sexual sin to God, it's all the same. You gotta repent for murder just like you gotta repent for lying. It's all the same. But sexual sin, you use your body to commit it, and it's the one that really puts the image in your mind. We can play around with that all we want. That one is serious business. And when we get ourselves in that, the only way you work your way through that is not by being a casual Christian. I was talking to Brother Tom the other day. Brother Tom said this to me. I said, God, thank you. He said to me, he did something the other day. It was not sinful, but he did something the other day that made him uncomfortable. But the reason why he recognized it was uncomfortable is because he had set up what he called guardrails in his life. Now, I didn't teach Tom all this stuff. He was telling me this. And I started smiling. Because churches put standards in their church. And that's what standards are. They're not Bible. And so people just discount them all. I don't have to do that. That's not Christian. That's not Bible. I got you. But standards alarms you as to where you are. The car that I'm driving now, it have what they call lane control, whatever they call it. So if the, if if I let go of the steering wheel or I'm not paying attention, and the car car's starting to drift and it's starting to hit the white line, there's a thump in the steering wheel. That thump tells me you're going off course. Come back on course. Oh yes. And so standards in a church has nothing to do with sin or it has to do with build up some guardrails in your life. So when those things start to go south, you know it before you actually sin. And I'm even going to take it further. Tom, I don't want to put you out there, but I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell Let me say, let me say exactly what it is. I don't know if Tom watched me with this or he didn't watch me. But I, I don't wear shorts.
<laughs> Since I got saved, I haven't worn shorts. I played soccer. I'm not telling you all what to do. Please don't take this wrong. I don't want you to decide, well, this is what I'm just telling you something to try to show you what guardrails mean, standards mean. I play soccer, and I can tell you unequivocally, I had a lot of compliments about my leg. You can say whatever you want right now, but I just, I'm telling you. I got soccer legs. And when I wore shorts, girls called my name. And so, when I got saved, I put guardrails in my life. I don't want no chick hollering at me. Because I might go back to my old way and say, hey girl, what you got going? That's me. I'm talking about me. So I didn't want nobody hollering at me and I'm looking back like, how she look? Because we can't help that. Who hollering at me? Is she ugly? Is she pretty? Who that hollering at me? And one day, it might be one that I is my kind of type that's hollering at me because I got some nice legs. So when I got saved, I started wearing no, no shorts. So I don't know if that's what Tom saw or he felt convicted by the Holy Ghost himself and he wasn't really wearing no shorts. And so he happens the other day to, to go someplace where there was water. And he wanted to feel comfortable and kind of fit in, so he decided, I'm going to wear some shorts today. Tom said he was so uncomfortable the whole time. He's like, I, what's this? Oh, God. I, 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 I should just wear my jeans and just kind of roll it up a little bit. I just smile. I never taught him nothing about shorts. No, no, That's his business, what he does. I'm just knowing how I got to. Listen, I know I was a real sinner. And because I was a real sinner, I have to go above and beyond to stay right with God. So I build up all kinds of guidelines. I build up all kinds of, what we say, standards in my life. So as soon as the standard get messed up in my life, I can catch myself before I actually sin. Yeah. The, de- the devil knows what I like. And so, before the devil can trick me, I would get an alert from the guardrails I put in my life. So if I ran out the house one day in my nice sexy shorts, right away, I didn't sin. Going out, wearing shorts is not a sin. But once I go out in shorts, I am going to become uncomfortable and Alert, 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 because I don't do it. So once I do it, alert, 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 and now become conscious. But if I was just cool with it, the devil is cunning and crafty. So every day I get up and I strut my stuff in my shorts. It might, nothing might happen for three months. But one day I'm going walking, like I went walking by myself the other day. One day I'm going to be going walking and turn that corner and some sweet smelling, good looking lady going to say, ooh, where you live? I'm just telling you all the truth how it work. I know the devil. You can listen, do what you want. I'm teaching you about who I know. I know him and I know me. And he work. Listen, the devil will come at you at your weakness and he knows how to weave his web to get at your weakness. Everybody has weakness. 
Some of your weakness will be, you will be self-righteous. There are Christians that are self-righteous. They think that they're, oh, I do everything. Oh, you remember the guy, that the, the, the rich young ruler, talking about, I did this, I did this, I did Then Jesus said, well, since you're so righteous, go sell all your stuff and give it to the poor and come follow me. What did he do? So, our, we have dealt different weaknesses. Some of our weaknesses is self-righteousness. Some of our weaknesses is, you know, self-centeredness. Some of our weaknesses is alcohol or drugs or, 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 or women or men. We have all different kind of weaknesses, all kind of, um, what am I saying? All kind of weaknesses. Some of us is money. Some of, it's all kind of weakness. You better know yours. Because he will always come at you in your weak, at your weakness. You just don't know how he's coming, but he's coming up after that weakness. I told you I was living for God for 15 years, and the devil one day said to me, Man, why are you scared to go into the bars? You're 21. As a matter of fact, you're 40-something. You might as well go and have a drink. Go sit down and relax and enjoy a drink. After 15 years living for the devil, living for God, the devil gonna tell me that. He knows I like, I'm just, I'm giving y'all all my witness. He knows when I drank, I told you y'all this before, when I drank, I didn't drink like most of y'all. I wasn't a drunk. I was a big time drinker. When I drank, I drank at a level of status. What I drank, when you came around, it, well, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. But where I drank and what I drank, when you came around, says, who is that guy? That's what you're going to say. Because you're going to see single mold scotch, 24 years old, on my thing. You're going to see the best of every kind of liquor. So drinking to me was a little bit different from a lot of people. Drinking to me was, this is who I am. It, it was about status. I didn't drink Budweiser. I very seldom drank Heineken. Whatever I drank, you're going to come around and say, that dude is different. So drinking is a weakness of mine. So I don't, ma- I make sure I don't even walk close to the bars. Oh, shit. all right. <laughs> Try to be real, but I don't know. Maybe y'all think something different. <laughs> I've been living for God for 20 something years. And I, those are my guardrails. I got him up still because I know who I'm dealing with. I know who Satan is and he's never going to give up. (laughs) Uh, You want me to take a step further and go deep on y'all? One of my big thing I like, I love good relationships. My life say that forever. You just do your study on Wayne Wyatt's life. I, I'm a relationship guy. You will find at every level of my life, I always had people in my life that I had real deep relationship with. I'm just that kind of guy. And so if I can't get that connection, I get frustrated. And so for everybody that's married, your first five years, you're trying to learn each other. And you're going to experience some frustration. And I remember the devil gave me a hard time because he knew how I liked that connection. And when me and my wife trying to learn each other and work it out, you know, here I am like, if this don't work, I don't know. That's all I kept saying. I don't know. But yet and still I'm over here counseling this one and counseling that one. And finally one day this Holy Ghost just hit me hard and says, 
Man, you spend a whole lot of time investing in people's life and loving people and trying to help people get their life together. Why you don't have some confidence with your own marriage? Why you don't trust me on your own? And I said, from that day on, I said in my mind, I said, God, I can care less what my wife ever did. I don't care what she do. I don't care how she want to act. I don't care anything. I'm in this marriage till I die. When I said that, it's like something clicked and changed. It's like the devil said, oh, snap. I can't attack him with that no more. I'm just that transparent. That was the guardrail that I'd put in my life. And I didn't realize it till later on. That was the guardrail, Brother Chuby. So once I told the devil, I don't care what you do. I don't care what kind of struggles we have. I am not going anywhere. That was the guardrail. So now, how are you going to attack me with marriage now, dude? Couldn't attack me no more with that because he couldn't have me on the fences. Keep getting frustrated every time we have an argument. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know because I, I this ain't what I signed up for. <laughs> yes, guardrails because the devil is after your soul. He's after your soul, huh? Considering the devastation of consequences of sin in the lives of Adam and Eve. Anybody should want to avoid sin. But what are we to avoid exactly? In other words, what is sin? If we want to refrain from sinning, we might want to consider what sin is, right? The Old Testament reveals eight Hebrew words for sin which have been translated into English as, here are the Old Testament eight words for sin, bad, wickedness, guilt, sin, iniquity, err, E-R-R, wander away, and rebel. These words are their, these words and their usage in the Old Testament offer some insight into the essence of sin and from them we learn this simple truth. Sin at its core is disobedience to God. Sin at its core is disobedience to God. Can I tell you all something? You might not be able to do it tonight, but get it in your brain and stop, start working on it. There should never be anything in your life that you say to yourself, I just can't. Christians cannot come up against what God commands, what God's word says, and you're going to say to yourself, I'll do anything for God, but I just, what, where's the but? You'll do anything for God, but what? You'll do anything for God, but what? But what? And we say that all the time, but I just, I just can't. <laughs> oh, God. That's a sin. That's what, that's my point. That's a sin. So if God says, get a, I, I, I was talking to someone the other day and God said, we must forgive. And if we don't forgive, he will not forgive us. Yeah. 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 So if you never truly forgive somebody, you can't go to heaven. It's just that simple. But again, here is what forgiveness does. Not only that you get released and you go to heaven when you forgive, but also forgiveness is healing. 
<laughs> Again, we keep fighting against God and not understand what God is trying to do for us. So when he says forgive, he wants to make sure you gets forgiven. And the second thing is, when you forgive, you will begin to experience healing. Just like when you have bitterness, you will experience sickness. Oh, God help us. Never get to a place where you says, I'll do anything, God, but. That's what the rich young ruler did. I did all that. And when Jesus says, okay, just one more thing. I can't do that one thing, God. And God says, if you break one of the law, you broke them all. In the New Testament, there are at least 12 English words used to describe sin. These words are translated in English as bad, evil, godless, guilt, sin, unrighteousness, lawlessness, lawlessness, transgression, to be ignorant, to go astray, to fall away. And hypocrite. The use of these words let us know that sin is a failure to live up to God's standards. So sin we know is disobedience to God, but it's also failure to live up to God's standards. So back to what I said. I just can't. Okay, you didn't live up to God's standard. You're sinning. You're not in a good place with God. And guess what? God can handle that because he's a big boy. The problem is when you're not in a good place with God, it's only weakening you. Interestingly, there is one Greek word from sin that has more than others. There, this word is uh, hamartia. Hamartia. That's the one Greek word for sin that is used more than others, which simply means missing the mark, missing the mark. Why should we be concerned about coming short of the glory of God? We all have sinned, missed the mark. There are consequences to missing the mark. When we miss the mark, we experience shame. So one of the reasons why you don't want to sin is you're going to experience shame somewhere in there. Another reason why you don't want to sin is because you're going to become fearful. Shame, fearfulness. Go back to Adam and Eve. They were ashamed. They were fearful. So when you sin, you become ashamed and you become fearful. When we miss the mark, we experience loneliness. Closeness with God was replaced with loneliness when Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. They didn't know when they sinned they was going to be kicked out of the garden. Consequence. They didn't know that. They didn't know they was going to be responsible for introducing sin to our world. They didn't know they were going to get kicked out of the garden. They didn't know their son was going to kill the other son. They didn't know any of this. Are you willing to just sin and not worry about the consequence? Missing the mark fractures our relationship with each other. When you are sinning or you have sinned, you won't have good relationship with people. Mm -hmm. 
If you're struggling having a relationship, you better go check what's going on in your life. Check what's going on in your life. If you're struggling with getting along with people, you better check what's going on in your life. Because when you have a relationship with God, you see people as the children of God. And if they're a child of God, my wife is my wife, but she is God's daughter. Big difference now. I can't always look at her wife, wife, wife. I got to look, God's daughter. You better not mess with God's daughter. You better treat God's daughter right. But if you're not right with God, you don't look at her like that. Sin messes up your relationship with people. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Missing the mark or sinning against God leads to more sin. Sin leads to more sin. So, when you understand that you've sinned, the quicker you can realize it and repent, the better off you'll be. You'll save yourself from more impressions of sin. This is why Luke, Genesis, Josiah, Simeon, this is why it's important to try to live for God as quick as possible. It will be easier. (laughs) It's just that simple. It will be easier. You want to be stupid like me and wait till you're 26 to live for God? You're going to have to deal with all those wrong, flashing in your mind all the time. You're going to live with that. It means prayer is going to be harder. It just means living for God is going to be harder. The longer you wait, the harder it will be to live for God. Because all those impressions are still in your heart, in your mind of all the wrong that you did. Amen. Try to live for We think it's hard living for God early. It's going to be harder living for God if you wait too long. Missing the mark, sinning against God will lead eventually to eternal life. People miss the mark when they buy into the lie that the consequences of sin are not real. I'm getting ready to close here. So when you just ignore the consequence of sin, you will begin to do stuff that's not right. You will begin to sin and you will begin to believe lies. Go back to that standard thing, that guardrail stuff. I was telling Brother Tom at the beginning of um, when we got here, I was showing a video. And T.F. Tinney is one of our elders in our movement, awesome man of God. And he's been, he's, I don't know, T.F. Tinney probably 87 years old. And here's what he said. He said, I've been around a long time. And people that have standards in their life, guardrails in their life, When they remove those standards and guardrails, eventually they begin to practice false doctrine. (laughs) Let me break it down in other terms. Just say you in an apostolic church and you set certain standards in your life. Just like I said, guardrails. I told you about mine. And so all of a sudden you said, I don't care about that because that's not a sin. Because that's what I'm going to say. I don't care about that. That's not a sin. 
Am I right? Yes. But T.F. Tidney says when you do that, sooner or later, you start believing something in the Bible is not true. But you started out just doing something innocent. That's not a sin. It's not a sin to wear shorts, Wayne. I'm afraid to go reverse that. Because I don't know what lies ahead. The devil wants to destroy me. He want to kill me. And so all he wants me to do is just move one of my guardrails out the way. And all of a sudden decide, well, for 21 years that was okay, but right now it's not that serious. And he says, "Uh, I got a little crack. There's a little crack. I'm going to get him. And eventually, you know what I'm going to say? Baptism in Jesus' name ain't that important. I'll just baptize in Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And I'm going to go on and go on and go on. And I'm going to start saying, please, God knows your heart. Once you save, you will always be saved. And I'm going to keep on. I'm just telling you how it works. Can somebody hear me and really say, that's true and I got to do it. I'm telling you that's how it works. It don't start by you doing wrong. It starts innocent. That's how the devil works. He starts out innocent and you think, I'm not sinning. This is not a sin. You're right. But if that's what you used to do to keep you close to God, you better not move it out the way. How might we recognize the deceptive nature of our heart? One would think when considering the devastation result of sin, we would not sin. Yet sin abound. We know sin is costly and there is a hefty penalty. Yet when we succumb to sin, we fail to consider the penalty. Why is this true? It is really quite simple. The consequences of sin are often hidden, not readily seen or realized. And because they are hidden or not readily seen, we are prone to think they do not exist. Though the consequences of sin are not readily seen, they are reality. Consider, let me get into some, some, some intelligent things for you real quick. Consider radio waves. They cannot be seen, but we use them every day. Consider the atoms. They are the smallest building block of matter. Everything in the universe which can be seen is made of trillions of atoms that cannot be seen. How about matter? 80 percent of the matter in the universe is made up of dark matter which cannot be seen it is amazing that though we cannot see oxygen it is essential for keeping us alive what about gravity we can measure it we experience the effects of it and yet no one can ever see it consider our mind scientists know how to observe the brain and its chemical reaction but we cannot see our thoughts Finally, consider emotions. We can see people's facial expression, observe body languages, and so on. Yet, emotions are completely intangible. We keep on going after the things that we can see. And God says, seek after the things that are unseen. For the things that are unseen is eternal. But the things that are seen, they are temporary. We have to stop looking at temporary things. That's where sin will get a hold of you. When you start looking at things and worrying about things. And worrying about the tangible, the seen, the things you can touch and feel. Those things will destroy. But the things you can't see, those are the things that will help you. 
That's how you deal with sin. Forget about the tangible, touchable stuff. Do you think a better understanding of the consequences of sin is beneficial? We cannot be ignorant of Satan's devices. Satan is coming at you in the area where you're weak at. And you can guard and guard and guard. It doesn't mean that he's not going to come. He's just waiting for the right time. So you might be good right now. He's got patience. He's been around a long time. He's been watching. He knows your patterns. And he's waiting until you give him that little inch. And he's going to take a yard. Then take a foot. Then take a mile. And he's going to try to annihilate and destroy you. He's waiting for that crack. He knows your weakness. You just need to know it. And guess what? Once you know it, get some guardrails up. Once you know it, you better put some things in your life to say, let me put these things in my life that even when I mess up, I don't get all the way off the road. Go up the turnpike. Why do you think they got um, dividers? We do it in the natural. There's dividers so you don't cross over. If you get into an accident, you don't cross over and destroy another vehicle. You just run into the wall and destroy your vehicle. So if they got guardrails in the natural, you need guardrails in the spiritual. Get some guardrails up in your life and stop compromising. We can't compromise. The devil is attacking and the devil, listen to me, the devil does the same. He knows his job. It's time that we live the way God wants us to live and not be struggling. This week I'm good, next week I'm not good. Come on. You know why you're good this week and next week you're not good? Because you're looking at the things that are tangible. Yeah. Macari working this week. So that make you miserable. I ain't got no money this week. I'm frustrated. There's consequences to sin. And we got to start paying attention to them. You can't just do whatever you want and think that you're going to get over. Some of us paying for sins that we have done a year, two years ago, we still paying. And can I tell you this? God don't wait for you to mess up and then come running over. Got you. I'm going. That's not God. You got to learn the ways of God. Where is the um, fidget? You got a fidget spinner, Jordy? Spin it. Put it on your hand and spin it. That's what God did when he created the world. Spin it one more time so they can see. God did that when he created the world. He's, he created everything and spun the world and the world started functioning. He didn't have to interfere. That's how good God is. So all the rules, all of everything that God said will happen is now on the fidget spinner. He don't have to get it. Oh, let me. No, he don't have to do all of that. You know when God gets involved in all of this stuff? Because most of the stuff in this world, we have the authority to do. You know when God gets involved? When the devil trying to destroy you. Because you can't fight him. You can't beat the devil. So that's when God has to come. But all the stuff we think, oh, if I do this, God's going to. No, it's already, in, it's already in motion. You want me to prove that? God says, for the day you sin, you shall surely die. 
What do you think? When they sinned, he said, oh, here I come. Time for you to pay up. No, that was already in the motion of the creation. And so that's how I know that's too hard for us to conceptualize, but that's God. He's already set everything in motion. Remember, he says, I was the lamb slain for your sin before the foundation of the world. How can God said he was slain before the world was created? That ain't true. That's not true. That's not accurate. How can God be slain? Because all of it was already in his mind and already done. All he did when he created was put it in motion. So God is not running behind you to make you say, pay up. It's already done. So he can't change your consequences is what I'm trying to tell you. So thinking God can change your consequences, he can't. I pray God have mercy on me and don't let me receive what I deserve for my wrong. And so what that really means is he can come comfort me all while that's going on. I can be in his presence and where his presence is, this fullness of joy, right, Brother Scarlett? And his right hand pleasures forevermore. So I just want to be in his presence when all the mess is happening that I created. And most of the times we run away from the mess. We run away from God with the mess we created as opposed to running to him and say, God, let me hide in your shadow. Do what you got to do. But I just want to be right here because I can't handle this mess that I created. Consequences. There are consequences to everything that we do. Let's stand.